I'm Zach. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for the saddest hot dog. Wow, is this the only two-person hot dog? Um, Is it? I think it is. Wow. Yep. It's rough. The first and only. Riff is on vacation nowhere. Yeah. I, I appreciate that his parents are, you know, involved in his life and stuff like that, but they should really go other places than Arizona for vacating. This is probably going to be an abbreviated uh, podcast for three reasons. Uh, one is that any minute now, there's going to be a lot of really loud noise coming in from the bar next door. Two is that we are, if not half the men we sometimes are, we are two thirds the men we normally are. Uh, three, we've been just working a lot and it hasn't been a lot of time since the last episode of Video Games Hot Dogs, so we haven't played a lot of video games. That's true. But. In fact, I don't really have anything to talk about other than games I've played. Uh, and that isn't very many. You haven't even done any interesting exercise. You're still on no. the mend. Yeah, from my from your, injury. From your back injury. I'm really... Like, it was a video game related back injury. It was, but. so that's interesting. Uh, I was uh, really grouchy the other day, and I think I realized it's because I have just not exercised. I had any real physical activity for like two and a half weeks. See, what you have to do is you have to... You, you, you got to recontextualize the things that happen in your life. So like I consider peeing to be exercise so i exercise 40 or 50 times a day okay that's why i'm always in such a good mood yeah all right um i, I could definitely imagine lifting a beer to my mouth as as a form oh, sure, of exercise. like doing, doing curls yeah it's like classic dad drinking buddy joke okay I one of my dad's drinking buddies um this was at, like i think at the at the drinking that occurred after my dad's funeral uh, one of his one of his friends decided, you know what, this guy's dad's not around to pass on wisdom to him anymore. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take over in uh, in good old Greg Johnson's stead. And he said, you know, one of the best things about being a serious beer alcoholic, you never have any kidney problems. And then like three years later, fucking kidney stone. And I want to go back. You got. Kidney I got to wait for somebody else to die so that I can see this guy again because I only see him at funerals. But when I do, when somebody does, and when I do, I'm going to tell that guy. You know what? Fuck you, buddy. Is it? I took your advice your... and I didn't take care of my kidneys at all because I'm like, oh, I drink a lot of beer. That's that'll keep you healthy. Isn't you it told me that's that. Your, like your cheese addiction that causes that. Is it a cheese addiction? Do I have a cheese addiction? A. Do I have a cheese addiction? B. <laughs> Does a cheese addiction cause that? I think kidney stones are caused by they don't know what until you have a bunch of them. And then it's worth spending $1,500 to grind up the kidney stone. And so they can tell you what not to eat. When I met don't you, eat kidney you stones. were in an alley injecting cheese directly into your veins. I think you might have a cheese, inje- a cheese I know, and it was, addiction. It was nacho cheese. It was stolen on top of. Uh, well, right. Because it just leads to a life of crime. Yeah. Yeah. I played uh, some board games this past weekend, and by that I mean a board game. Did you twice? You yeah. Know? Were you? Did you? Are you cheating on me? No, I with my uh, with my girlfriend. I went to dinner uh, with some of her friends from Chicago. So yes, the answer is you are you, you're you're finding a board game group that is not. It's not a board game group. We had a, an isolated board game session, um, but we played. Uh, are they board game people or are they not, not board really, game people? They're not. Really. Is this a board game people board game or is this a? It, Monopoly. It's Takedo. Uh, so it is the most recent board game by Antoine something, Bausch or something like that, who uh, is the guy who made um, Seven Wonders, among other games. 
that is probably his most famous game. Um, Seven Wonders is good. It is a good game. Um, and you can, you can get the, you get the sense of like those same kinds of impressions happening in Takedo, but it's, it is a very sort of casual, easy to explain game that has a lot of strategic depth to it. Um, like there's a spinner and when that spinner lands on a color, <clears throat> you move your token to the next square of that color. No. Um, you are traveling on a uh, path across Japan. Um, I believe it is from like Edo to Kyoto or something like that. Uh, maybe it's actually some sort of historical pilgrimage that I don't have the context for. Um, Wait, is this like that game where you're trying to get from Tokyo to Kyoto and you're only allowed to move one letter, letter at a time? time? No, uh, that's a different game. It's a, that's also fun. Um, and you basically choose how far you go between ends and there's a bunch of different like stopping points and stuff happens on those stopping points. And the point of the game is to see uh, who has the best journey. So <laughs> stuff, stuff happens like you get to see, take in part of a scenic vista or, uh, but are these, okay. So mechanically a, are these like you draw a card to see what happens or some of them are, yeah. You roll a die and look it up on a chart. There's no die or dice or charts. Uh, what, the decision that you're making of how far to travel, what, yes. so what effect the, does that have on the last person in the sort of cluster of people moving across the map is the person who goes. So if you jump ahead a couple spaces because you're like, Oh, I really, I'm out of money. I need to go to the, the, the place that gives me some extra currency. That's a guaranteed extra currency or whatever. You might have to skip ahead two or three spots. And if the other people sort of follow suit and they skip ahead a couple spots, the last person, um, if, if somebody's left behind with some gaps in front of them, they could visit all of those places in turn, potentially. Oh, so you get to take more turns you, when yeah, you're in the Whoever last is last gets to go. And if they just move one spot and they're still in last place, they get to move another. So they can, like, you know what I mean? Like, they can keep keep doing that. Um, can you occupy the same space as another player? No. There are um, some locations have a secondary location, um, secondary sort of space availability if you are playing in a four or five person game. Um, but if you're playing only two or three people, those spots are not available. So like you could sleep in the manger. Yes. Um, the two person variant of this game is interesting. It has sort of like a ghost player that just takes up space. They don't, they're not like accumulating points or whatever, but they're just moving around the board to, so you just say like ghost man in Osaka. Yeah. And I think that's just so that you don't get like in a crazy amount of points. Um, can you put the ghost in a shell? That's Japanese, right? You could. Um, but you get to accumulate it's there are a lot of like Japanese sort of seeming themes you get to accumulate like different knickknacks and they're in different categories like clothing small objects art oh yeah classic classic Japanese things like clothing and small objects well no like the like it is when I was taking Chinese in college we learned that there were like 200 different modifier words based on the category of the noun that you were doing. Like some of them were like round objects or things with handles and stuff like that. You realize that China and Japan are two different countries. Yes, but they're, they're like, their languages are, are linked in some, some ways. And some of the, some of them are like things that are like these strange categories of Do you think maybe they're both, they're connected to one another via your ignorance? Sure. That's the connection that they share? Yeah. Um, 
Anyway. Remember that time I lectured somebody about cultural sensitivity? Sure. Uh, okay, so there's different categories of things that you can get that imp- that are that represent improvements on your journey. Like, I found a cool shirt, or I found a cool well, okay, pine so, cone. So those are things where you're trying to build sets of items, and the more different kinds of objects you have, um, the, the more points you get. Um, there are scenic vistas where you... As you experience more of a vista, you get more points. Um, there are you can go to the temple, which converts your money directly into points, and then at the end of the game, the person who's donated the most to the temple gets bonus points. There are hot springs, which are just a straight little injection of points. Um, there are uh, there's the place where you just just acquire currency, and then there are the inns where you uh, the first person to arrive at the end gets to pick which food they want out of a selection of a random selection of foods. Um, and then as you arrive at the end, if you're later, you have, uh, you know, a, a narrower, narrower selection of things to eat and you cannot have the same meal twice along the journey. Um, and food is worth a lot of points. So you want to have as many varieties of things as mm. possible. Um, you saying there's a hot springs that makes me want to play a version of this game. Like, like Tom Francis talks about wanting to do, are you playing this board game mm-hmm. as the sort of framing device for this? But then when you go to a hot springs, you have to pull out your phone, play an entire game of Kairosoft's hot springs story. <laughs> and only if you are successful, only if you win, Do you can the you then make your next move eight or nine hours later. <laughs> so like there's a space for a mega mall. There's a space for okay. a game dev company. Sure. Um, what other weird things does Kairosoft simulate? There's there was dungeon school. If you go to a dungeon village, what are that? Yeah, I don't even. I've not played any of their games. They have what the tower, right? Small that? object store. A small object store. Um, yeah. Besides, no, you, no, no, that's your that's is that nimble bit that does tiny tower. Oh, I don't know. I like. I, don't they have a, a high rise story? <laughs> I don't know. Mega Mall is sort of high. Okay. I was sort of high when I played it. I, it's You can make like a seven-story mall, although that's more broad than... What do you call a building that's like a skyscraper, only instead of tall, it's wide? I guess you call that a wall. Just a scraper, I guess. Yeah, just like a, like a ground scraper. Sure. Uh, besides that, like, I have... My off time has been occupied by this weird... Uh, Twitter experience that I've gotten myself in, involved with. Um, not not like quote weird Twitter quote like the 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 scene that is described as weird Twitter. I had, did not know that that was a scene. Okay. Um, no. So I met um, at GDC. I met a guy um, in person uh, named Harry Lee that I had only interacted with um, on Twitter. He's he's he made stickets. He was involved in making Soka Bond. Um, he's, he's like young. He's like 2021 20, at this point. Um, he lives in Melbourne. He's, he's really an interesting guy. I, I like his like approach to just sort of making games. He was like a medical student and gave it up to, to start studying, um, games and stuff. And he went on to form a company called BioWare. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he one of the like one of his like sort of 
random like one-off games that he came up with was like these cards that you would that had different little objectives in them and like one of them was uh try to slip me in somebody's pocket uh without them knowing right and so then i love the idea that, that like somebody like finds this card in their pocket and if they're a game they're like oh well this is now my objective right is to just slip this in somebody else's pocket without them knowing like and that just like it's just this like amazing potential experience that you get to pass on to an arbitrary number of people that if if they're willing to sort of engage in it if they're not freaked out by the fact that it got in there like like really getting it and like if someone was successful and you get this without knowing it you could have the realization oh i was the objective of somebody's game and they totally succeeded and then you can be like wait this is also just a game that i can play because it's sort of a neat one-off mission and then i'm done right like you could pull out a sharpie and be like and then go give the guy that gave this, this card to you in the first place a hand job. Sure. <laughs> or if you were a jerk, like, then deliberately get into a car accident. Okay. Yeah, fight three strangers and lose all three fights. <laughs> but perform an action that results in this card being found in the flaming wreckage of an airplane. Um, anyway, so I met this guy in real life. Um, and uh, he started this weird twitter puzzle stop saying weird thing. twitter it was okay it was just weird and it was on twitter there he he, he did this comp compilation of puzzles on twitter uh that were cool and uh i did that and then stuff got really strange with it i don't really know how to describe it it was it is a, one of the strangest sort of experiences i've had anyway that like that phase of it ended and then there was this phase where it was unclear what was happening it was sort of like a role-playing situation and it turns out that we were actually playing a game of werewolf um but like that was not made obvious to us at, at the beginning um and then that ended by a couple of us like finding our way into the like deep bowels of the hotel that the the sort of narrative was taking place in and like finding the elder god style obelisk that was powering the whole thing and shutting it down in a strange way yeah like were you a werewolf i was not i was not a werewolf i was none of the special roles so i was just a, a villager i guess um or a hoteler yeah but so one of the things that was strange about it was that in everybody's room there was a, an, a reality assertion device which it would allow you to do whatever you wanted basically as long as it didn't just completely derail the game i guess right um, but it could only happen once right so like i was like well i'll sort of try to cheat death and i just the first thing i did was clone myself so that i had a second copy um so I could be in two places at once, and I also like if one of them got killed, it wouldn't. I wouldn't be out of the game. Um, did it work? Did did one of them get killed? Uh, one of them did not get killed, but I did. I was able. Did to the other one? No, the other one did not get killed either. <laughs> what do you think about that kind of brain twister, where I have two coins in my hand that add up to fifteen cents? One of them is not a nickel, right? Do you think that's a clever puzzle, or do you think that's a dumb trick? I think it is neither really because it, it the idea is that you're preying on somebody's assumptions about what a sentence means. So that's interesting like in the abstract. In the specific you're 
setting them up to fail by being careful about how you construct a sentence about something so that they that you know that they will assume that neither of them is a nickel right like that thing where there are three words in the english language that end in gry hungry angry what is the third one Mm-hmm. I don't believe that that actually had a solution. I believe that the the fake solution that is always presented as the answer to that was something that somebody made up when in fact the original genesis of that puzzle was, it was that just a third one? yeah, it was just a troll. What rhymes with silver? That kind of thing? I don't know. Does nothing rhyme with silver? Not, not that I'm aware of. Chilver, I guess, which is a word you made up. <laughs> that's true, but that's just a thing about silver. Yeah, well, but it's cold silver. <laughs> yeah. Coolver. Uh, so you found the altar and the obelisk and destroyed yeah, it? And we then, didn't destroy it. it. We was this Frog Fractions too? No, it, it isn't. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. You don't know, man. I don't, but I'm, I'm, there's, I, I wish I could describe without spending an hour, uh, the, the earlier sort of phase of this where we were having these sort of strange social experiment mini games on a, like a 24 hour cycle. Um, some of, I might've talked about this a little bit on the podcast where some of us were, were knives and some of us were targets. Did I talk about this at all? It doesn't sound familiar, but uh, I'm always real drunk for this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so then each day was just like a different mini game with very different rules. And most of them were social, um, things like i think what oh yeah and in the the early like the earliest part of this was that people he like harry let people log into his twitter account and like just kind of do whatever with it for a while it was super like fascinating like social experiment right nobody deleted it they did they deleted his timeline mm. right which is kind of sad um but you know it's like not that big a deal right in the grand scheme of things um like the idea of just kind of putting a weird game out into the world, just seeing what happens is kind of great. I'm really, I really respect him and his, his project. Was he, how active was he in running this thing while it was happening? Um, I think he was pretty active in, in responding to people while he was awake. Um, he he was one of the organizers of Lost Levels at GDC. I don't know if you got a chance to go to any of that. I was at a little bit of it. I didn't see any of the talks. I saw a bunch of people standing around in a park. Okay. Um, and he like he handed that off to somebody else for next year. The whole like their part of their mission is to like have rotating leadership, so it's just completely different all the time. If anybody finds out who's in charge of Lost Levels and kills them, then the attendees win. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been up to this past week that isn't directly video games. I sent you uh, a copy of this, but oh, yeah. you didn't you didn't read it. They uh, there were some documents leaked from CCP about the World of Darkness MMO that elucidated for me what why you wouldn't want to play what it. they were going for. Yeah, and what like why? Okay, that's definitely a real game, but it's a game that I myself would not enjoy playing. I don't think. Did you like Urban Dead? I very, very, very much did not like Urban okay. Dead. Just checking. Um, so t- I got, tell me about these. I got kind of into Nexus War, which was, 
it solved some of the problems that I had with Urban Dead just insofar as it like the thing that I that bugged me about Urban Dead was that it was a game that was like a BBS door game, mm-hmm. except instead of accomplishing something with your day's allotment of of turns, you could accomplish five percent of any given thing with your day's allotment of turns. Okay. Right. And it's like you had energy and you could like build 20% of something and then you were out of yeah, energy or you or, or you could use your entire capacity of energy to to get a a zombie from 100% health oh, to 95% right. health and it was like oh okay this is a, like this is a game where we're supposed to be coordinating actions but there's just nothing that you as a starting player who doesn't know anybody and who like has not yet decided whether this game is a thing that you can get into and whether it's worth trying to form any social ties or whether it's worth trying to actually get involved in the sort of overarching structure of it. Like, there's nothing for you to do until you've done that. And it's and it's great. Because movement costs energy yeah. as well. No, and I mean, it's great for the people who are into it, right? And so this CCP game, it... It seemed like it had a, a kind of a more, and I don't actually know if this is true because I don't really know how Eve works. Okay. I think there are like system control beacons that you can interact with. And then if you are unmolested for the duration of the countdown on this beacon, then the system becomes yours. And then it changes the rules in the system in some way. Oh, Something so you, like that, right? You th- there is ownership of systems? And I believe that there is something like formal huh. ownership of systems. Anyway, it, so okay. so I'm I'm gonna kind of ramble about what I gleaned from this playtesting document about the World of Darkness MMO. So it seems like you're just in a big city. The entirety of the map that we saw was just city streets, and it seemed like maybe it was procedurally generated. Which would be fucking rad. Like, if the game just took place in an infinite city that was procedurally generated, mm-hmm. that would be pretty good. Um, okay. So, you run around and you lose hit points and then you have to feed on people. But it's sort of like Vampire the Masquerade where in order to feed in front of other people, you have to seduce the person. And then that will cause them to like kind of wander off into a secluded spot where you can sort of drain some of their blood and whatever. You earn some sort of like tribute currency for doing stuff that you then give to the person that is like above you in the sort of arbitrary hierarchy of whatever political organization you become involved in. They get like half of that as some kind of XP and then half of it as tribute that they have to pay to the person above them. So it encourages everybody to sort of exist on, on this hierarchy on at some level i don't know how you earn the stuff to begin with like i don't know how the guy who doesn't have any thralls gets it maybe you yeah, get it from the say. like so you can sort of enslave npcs you can oh, turn maybe NPCs. your ghouls give that they, to you. they might generate it by okay. doing missions and stuff you can enslave an npc to be a ghoul for you and then you install that ghoul at like a fixed point on the map that represents like a business or a location or a, or a a sort of a game entity. You 
can then nominate one of your ghouls in a location to become the dominus of that location, which requires you and a bunch of other vampire players to vote and say, yes, this person should, this, this, this NPC should be in charge of this area, which means that that becomes this player's territory. And then that, like, puts a sphere of influence on the map that makes the area surrounding, you know, this barbershop or whatever your hunting grounds. I'm not entirely sure what that means, but it's just like this territory control thing. When you have a ghoul in place at a, at a business, I think whether you own it or not, you send them on missions, which, and this was the part that was pretty interesting. They actually just, they are a, a mob in the game world that leaves this place and goes out into the world to do a thing and they can be killed by other players while they're doing it. And that's how players move against each other. Um, Super political. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's just entirely a sort of a, of a, a slow moving social maneuvering territory control game. Neat. Yeah. I mean, like I definitely get why, they would pitch that to White Wolf people. Well, they are White Wolf. Right? Sure. But I mean, to fans, I mean, oh. to the kind of people who were into that sort of RPG, like, you know, it's, but I can also see why the company that was paying for it would think, eh, this is maybe not going to take off to the extent that would be necessary for it to take off to justify these eight years of salaries that we've paid is it is it, it that or what were the systems even with these sort of cool systems or whatever was there just not enough fun there? oh yeah i mean it, it's also those systems describing them is certainly one thing and actually interacting with them is probably another it it does as described feel like there is this weird ponzi scheme going on where you know you if you can get another if you can get above another vampire in the hierarchy then you're in a way better situation and like there have to be a bunch of people at the lowest tier and nobody wants to be at the lowest tier everybody wants to be higher up in the structure and how do you make people feel like they're in better straits than another class of player right it did have this sort of interesting thing where you could you when you created your character, you either chose one of four of the clans. I don't remember which, like, all I can remember is which ones weren't represented. There were no Malkavians. Oh, interesting. There were no, uh, the ugly ones, the Nosferatu. Okay. Um, it was just like the boring Bruja, ones. It was like, yeah, it was like Bruja, Trimmer, Ventru, Toreador, and another one that I don't remember. The, the magician ones, the Tremere or Tremere or whatever. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. Huh. But, there was there was a sort of a game around finding mortals to feed on that had some specific kind of aspect that would give you a specific sort of flavor of buff that okay. you use to kind of power your abilities and stuff and that could be taken away and there was there was this like varying degrees of like you'd lose humanity by killing innocents or attacking people openly and stuff right. and like the lower your humanity the more of a target you were to other pvpers like and if you had zero humanity you could be perma killed yeah you'd be yeah. once once you became like super griefer you were you were subject to permadeath which is crazy i mean right 
it, you can imagine situations in which it would be crazy. And on the face of it, it's just like, it's another bullet point that, you know, it'd be like, we could just create a situation in KOL where a character could be permanently killed and be like, oh man, we're bold experiment. We're an MMO with permadeath, but like, well, no, no not really. Depending on, like I said, it's one thing to say it. It's one thing to describe these things and then another to actually present it to people. I mean, in a game that is so PvP focused, the people that are most aggressive potentially having zero humanity so that if you can manage to kill them, they're just out of the game. That's that's kind of amazing to me. Yeah, maybe. It seems like in practice, the way that all of this stuff would play out is like sort of, you know, Mr. Miyagi says the point of knowing karate is that you, you, you know, not to fight. And it's like, all right, well, the, the, what you want is an uneasy piece broken by these occasional flare ups of crazy war that changes everything that around like Eve, right? Yeah. But it's like, it takes a couple years for that shit to foment and so it's like every couple years there's one interesting story about one afternoon in eve online and like yeah yeah, i don't know i mean like this seems like the kind of thing where 10 years from now when the technology is cheap enough and accessible enough that something like this could be just like one dude's passion project, then maybe it's a thing that gets off the ground. But the pressures of existing in the world of 2K14 as an MMO, 2K14. I think are too much, too much for this game to overcome. 2-0-1-4. Like serious, serious, serious PvP games are... A niche like pvp games with with progression right like pvp rpgs mm-hmm. you know like dark age of camelot was like oh, a lot of people had fond memories of that like a lot of people in the industry played it when they were younger they're like yeah we'll make a game like that but they keep making games like that and then they just don't go anywhere because people don't want to lose all their shit generally when you go to play a game where this is a game about finding better pants and a better sword you don't want a fundamental part of the game to be this guy just fucking rolled me and took my pants and my sword because that's sort of antithetical to what most people want out of an RPG like that. Right. Like you don't go into a shooter thinking, Oh, I got killed. My experience has been ruined. Like you go into it thinking, Oh, I got killed. I respawn in nine seconds and then maybe I'll kill that guy. And then maybe next time I'll have more kills than deaths. Right. But if what you're getting is not just the, Oh, I killed a bunch of dudes, so I win, but I earned X of these points, and I acquired this new object, and I got these new perks, or whatever. Anything that you lose, anything that they let some somebody who the game doesn't know whether they're fighting fair or not, you know? Like, it's just, it's going to limit its audience in a way that I think because MMOs are so expensive right now, you're going to have a really hard time pulling off. Hmm. You know, CCP seems like they keep 
they, you know, they made a thing that's working for them and it's making money and they keep trying to make other stuff and they keep spending a bunch of money trying to make other stuff. And they're just like, not really pulling it off. You know, there's just like a lot of sort of failed experiments and that's, what is the name of their first person? Dust 514. 514. That's not like canceled or anything, right? It's. No, but I think it's just sitting there languishing because nobody's playing it. Oh, it's released, right? Like, is I it believe out? it is. Yeah, okay. I believe it's been out for a couple of years. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I haven't really heard much about it, but there's probably there's probably people playing it. I mean, I mean, this thing was a really cool idea, but it just like turned out to not be as fun as people wanted it to be. Which you know, maybe it just wasn't a very good shooter, right? I mean, if they like, if that project had been Titanfall. figure out a way to make yeah Titanfall tie into right. to Eve Online or or. You know, like, oh, if you play Team Fortress 2 on this server, right, right, then it feeds back into some larger scale. Yeah, I wonder if that would have been a better approach to Spore. Instead of actually going out and making the the five different games that they ended up making, like, just finding five games that sort of fit the criteria and you build the bridges between them that is one feeding into the other. I wonder if that would be possible. Or making five games that were full good games in and of themselves, well, right? Right, but that, what I'm saying is that's much harder to do than the idea of finding successes people, that people are already interested and attached to. Okay, I and see. And then figuring out how one could funnel into the other to create the initial conditions so that it there was this kind of flow from... So you're trying to make the Oasis from yeah. Ready Player One by making the video game that is every video game... Yeah, in like and the 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 ether between them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's pretty ambitious, Kevin. I'm I'm not saying that I'm going to do it tomorrow. All right. Day after though. Sure. <laughs> it's a two day project. Have you uh, been playing any video games for two days? Uh, I have played a couple of video games. Um, I was uh, continuing to play the Daily Challenge in Ember Halls, uh, and there were a couple of days where nobody got very high score like there are just some days where the levels are really um hard to complete that was like maybe Michael, even impossible michael brow's objection was that he wasn't sure that to, yeah he was. wasn't sure that their generation algorithm prevented actual impossible levels from being generated does 868 hack do that I, that was the implication in that indictment okay but i i don't know i, I mean, would believe that i would believe that 868 hack is like because i didn't usually die because of the threats i died because i got greedy yeah right because if you weren't playing for points you could probably survive just 100 percent of the time would be my guess but i feel like you could also fairly easily always generate a level one that was survivable i mean not like no matter what you did but you would not spawn monsters in a configuration where there was no way to survive i have never had a a first level of amber halls that i couldn't survive i've certainly had first levels that i didn't survive sure. I don't know. that is definitely that's definitely possible but you like i guess it, i guess maybe there are situations where you yeah yeah i don't know i like i've never i've not really analyzed it with enough math behind me. Um, there were, there was one day that I remember where it was definitely f finishable, but you could not get the key out of a certain level. Like it was just impossible, I think, because it was trapped up against a wall and there was no way to, to get it 
out of the situation that it was in based on the the other stuff the like the configuration of walls and generators around it so you couldn't you couldn't get the points from unlocking the chest um which is like a dozen points or something so it's weird that the the high score varies from day to day based on the just the number of gems which is random which is you know probably 124 to 128 ish so um anyway i i had been continuing to play that and then i updated the app because it said critical fix and now it doesn't boot (laughs) oh good so the critical fix was that i was playing it uh every day and so now i can't um that's probably just an ios 5 thing and i probably just need to finally break down and get a new phone uh yeah uh so besides that um i have spent a little bit of time in the past couple days playing derivative clicker um which is sort of the newest in the line of clicker families um this one is strangely compelling to me because it is so mathematically minded like it's the 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 theme is the theme is very just obtuse, math. like yeah but it's like it's like first derivative second derivative third derivative fourth derivative yeah but then there's another column that's like com- high school student yep. undergrad grad student postdoc yep and, and then, then there's one that's computer yep computer factory factory architect uh something else and then there's one that's like famous mathematicians like girdle and uh the Riemann. Yeah, and the guy that solved the Fermat's last theorem that's whose name I'm forgetting. Andrew Wiles. And Newton, maybe? I forget. Um No, one of them is just mathematician. Oh, there just, is just, just mathematician, math. and then there are the three named mathematicians. Okay. All of the things though feed back into each other. Like yeah. you get first derivative and then that generates a certain amount of money every X clicks. Ticks. Ticks. That's Ticks. what I mean. Yeah, meant. the, the yeah. students the student the progression of people uh is based is improves the like amount of money that you get for each click so there's a button up top which is uh generate money and you click it and i think you get like one dollar it's so weird but there's nothing there, like there's you nothing to it dollar yeah it's not even a dollar i don't even there's nothing to it right there's like it's just it. it's just a clicker game but it's a really well yeah, tightly integrated, one? tightly integrated. The theme is, the theme is like kind of, I think intentionally nothing. Yeah, it's, it's meaningless, but it's, it, it is one of those clicker games, but it, it traverses orders of magnitude mm. so like lively yeah. that it's impressive. Yeah, uh, on that on that very first thing of like things to buy, the prices ranged from you know the tiniest little unit of currency all the way up to one sextillion dollars because it's all just these crazy order of magnitude um, things that feed into each other. So like, because yeah, we didn't really finish. So like, yeah. the number of derivatives you have generates your cash flow, but then second derivatives start to generate first derivatives every yeah. tick, and then third derivatives generate second derivatives every tick. Yeah. And so the once you get one of the higher order ones, nuts. like the yeah, the rate of change is exponential. Yeah. Um. It and it's it's weirdly like, compelling. It feels like a waste of mental space to even be talking about this right now much less like put it yeah but it could be because there there's just there's just nothing there like 
there is this, there is an upgrade that is like, don't waste your money on this. It's for the fifth tier that you haven't even unlocked yet. Yeah. If there just isn't a fifth tier, then that's it, a hilarious joke, but that's the only thing keeping me running this. I think it's possible you buy the fifth tier with a preset currency. Mm. I think. That's my new theory. <laughs> because it, I don't know having, what reset currency is. When you reset based on the number of theorems you have, no, proofs, the, based on the number of proofs you have and the number of mathematicians you have, you get a certain amount of reset currency. And I don't know what you have. I'm not reset, so I don't know what that currency is used for. So, but you have to have like, it's for every trillion mathematicians or the first, the first reset currency you get is from a trillion mathematicians and the first. How do you know when you're going to get reset currency or not? It, if you go to the statistics page, it tells you how much reset currency you will have if you reset now. Huh. So, yeah. You know, it was, it was a good clicker. Christmas clicker. It had a puzzle. Yeah, that was that was a, a good twist. It had a puzzle and it had an scheme. end. Yeah, and it was that, like a three or four hour thing yep. at most, really. It's good. That one was good. This one is good because of how tightly everything fits back together. Every single system in it remains relevant yeah. throughout the whole process. There isn't anything is that's just a better There isn't anything that's just a better version of of something else. Like, I mean, I guess that's the thing. Like, I can't just say there's nothing to this because like, yeah, it as, well as a game, there's nothing to it, but it is a very well-designed instance of the particular flavor of nothing that it is. Yeah. And I just like that. I like I like and I want to know if it can if it goes any deeper. I mean, I don't think it goes broader but i'm curious if they have another system or two that feeds back yet again into that um yeah and so other than that uh all i've been playing is little big planet with uh with melissa we've gotten to a point where i think we're very near the end of the like narrative arc of the game but we're just getting stuck on a level because playing it two player makes it that much harder to actually complete the levels you get you effectively get half as many lives because you share a life pool and the the camera and controls are slightly more difficult if you if it because it's trying to keep both people in frame and perspective and stuff at the same time so yeah it's possible that we will never actually complete it because we uh would she be mad if you went in and beat a level without her to i think maybe I don't know. It's weird, right? Because like it is a game that we are ostensibly playing together. And there are a bunch of parts of the game that are two-player only. And in fact, on this most recent level that we were on, there are parts that's a four-person section only, which that's Yeah, they're in cahoots crazy. with the people selling the controllers. We have four controllers. We could totally do that. Wow. So it's just we don't have four. They're in a position of privilege. We are in a position, position of privilege. I mean, I'm your friend, but I fucking hate Little Big Planet. So the the systems are like open enough that there is some sometimes some hilarious like stuff that falls out of them that wasn't like intentional in the game, like grabbing on to not i guess not intentional but like grabbing onto the like other players or the explosions can knock you into weird locations and stuff like that and it's just like hilarious the way that the, the little moppets move around and stuff like i i really i really really like that game as a whole 
um, playing it is a little too loose for my like platforming tastes. Um, like it tries to be really clever about which uh, of the three like depths that it thinks you want to be in, but sometimes you don't want it to auto switch you to a different depth, and that is really frustrating. Um, that kind of thing, but yeah. I played more Dark Souls 2. Yeah? Yeah, I I might be done. Did you what how far did you get? Uh basically nowhere. I I I beat a boss. Okay. And then I went in and uh I I I used my soap whistle or whatever to help some other people beat the boss and I was Again. like, oh, okay. okay. It's whatever. Um but that's apparently a good way to farm souls. Yeah. Then I went to the second level, the second sort of area, and I just like... Is that the Tower of... Yeah, the Tower of Flame. And I just like keep getting my shit handed to me because apparently in this game, you just can't use a shield. Like, the only thing that I am learning from my failures is that blocking doesn't fucking work. Like, every monster in the game attacks so fast and... Consumes, so in a row, consumes so much of your stamina by you block. And also, like, maybe there's a stat that I could put points into to make me better at blocking, but fuck if I know what stat that is. Right. And when I looked, I, I, so I just did a quick Google search for Dark Souls 2 blocking. And it was just like, yeah, blocking doesn't work as well in Dark Souls 2 as it did in Dark Souls 1. And I'm like, well, okay. Like, huh. I you don't like want to be a dude to, with a sword and a shield. I do like to be a dude with a sword and a shield. I also don't like to be a dude that just spent six hours playing a game and leveling up a guy and now like has to start over if I want my character to be effective, which I'm sure that I don't. Can't you respec? Isn't there a way to uh, respec? Yeah, I guess there is a way to, there is a way to respec. I'm, I'm aggravated with the game in general because there are, I, I do not understand this. All of these guides tell you, all right, so there's like, there's this guy and you can beat him. And if you manage to beat him, he's like a sort of a hard optional boss. But if you beat him, he will give you a really nice sword. Okay. Every weapon that I have found in the entire game does approximately the same amount of damage. Except for one extremely cheaply purchasable stick. It is just a fucking stick. Okay. And it does three times as much damage as every other weapon. I think because it is A rated for strength, which is the stat that I put all of my points in. And so what I don't know is, is this a fucking trap? (laughs) Like, does this item, like, why would there be the cheapest item that this woman sells? It is literally just a wooden stick. Why does this do so much more damage than this flame sword that I got by beating a real hard monster. I guess it's a lightning sword that you get by beating the the real hard monster. And I don't fucking understand. I don't know. So what... the lightning sword does less damage. Than yes, the stick. like half as much damage. Huh. It has lower rankings, so like it has higher stat requirements than the stick. Okay. <laughs> but it has lower letter grades in those stats. So like instead of. So the, the stick just has an A in strength. Okay. And that makes sense. Like, the stronger you are, the more damage you're going to do with the stick. I know 
that our listeners who are fans of Dark Soul 2's, Dark Soul 2's, are so angry at whatever fundamental misunderstanding this represents in me. Yeah, but and I, I'm like, sorry. I looked over your shoulder for a little bit and like you brought up a stat screen. I was like, what do any of that those mean? And you're like, yeah, fuck off. I know. And I was like, how? Like what? It's tiny icons. It's just tiny icons. It's like, well, that one, that one looks like. Like maybe somebody threw a fishbowl at a guy and he blocked it with a shield. So maybe that's my defense against fishbowls or water. That could be my defense against water. What is, what does that even mean? Like, yeah, like it seemed confused. Like there are a bunch of, is it, is it bad that I, so I've not played this game at all. Like I have, I had never really seen it except for watching you play for maybe five minutes. Um, and I'm just really put off by how w- weird and inaccessible a lot of the like fundamental systems seem to be. Like, so you you die, you lose some maximum hit points. Yeah. And to get those back, there are all of these weird things that you can do. And I'm like, okay, like, is this explained to you? It's it's not. I mean, I, so I think part of part of the success of this series of games is that sort of like recess mentality where you have to learn from other. You people. have to learn from other people, you or or you have to like you discover this thing that it like the game is working so hard to prevent you from understanding and discovering, and then once you do, it's like a triumph, and you want to share it with people, and you're like so proud of yourself for like figuring out how to do this fucking super difficult thing and so you put a note on the ground that is uh triumph but whole yeah just everything about the the only the only like legitimate grievance that i have with things that i understand in the game the only grievance that i have other than i don't understand this is the, the it is a brutally difficult game yeah and the game says, oh, you died, huh? This is pretty hard. I bet it would be even harder if we took away a percentage of your maximum hit points, huh? Fuck you! When you die, it reduces your fucking hit points. And that is like... It's like kicking the balls. It is serious. It, it, is, it is not a game being difficult. It is a game being difficult and also just flipping you the bird with both hands at the same time. Like... And I get, oh, there's a ring that you can get to if, you know, that makes that penalty half of what it normally is. And it's like, all right, well, that would be fine if I didn't just, like, fundamentally object to that penalty on its surface. And also, if I could fucking survive far enough past these fucking assholes whose, maybe their weapons are so heavy that blocking doesn't work, maybe blocking just doesn't work in general. I don't fucking know because nothing is fucking explained to me. And like, I just, at, ah, I get some satisfaction out of like chipping away at parts of this and like, all right, well, I beat that boss. I beat that one boss, except I fucking didn't. Like what I did was I was like, oh God, can somebody help me? Cause I'm a fucking baby. So I did the like multiplayer, somebody come and help me beat this boss thing. So like, I didn't fucking beat that boss. I didn't learn anything. I did not have to be better at the game. I had to use an expensive consumable to get to the point where I could get help from other people. Hmm. 
right? Because you have to be at your full maximum HP to be able to, like, oh, right. invite people in to help you with shit. Once you get past that one part, like, you can allow yourself to be invited into other people's games. And if you help them and you beat a boss in their game, then you come back, you get all your, you get all your humanity humanity back. So there's a way around that, like the effigy things being limited, but it's just like every time I get killed twice in a row and lose a bunch of progress, I just throw down. I just alt F4. And then I am so, so tempted every time to just delete the game so that I stop subjecting myself to this. Hmm. And it's just, uh, man, I remember you going to that, tower of flame area and encountering that first enemy who just like knocked you immediately off the path or whatever. And, and you're like, it's another five minutes to walk back there. And it's not really five minutes. It's too far. The other thing is there's a fucking bonfire right next to that guy. I just didn't see it. Like there's a bonfire that you can go to before you even fight that guy. But I was 10 attempts into penetrating far enough into that area to find a bonfire before I was just like, fuck it. I give up. And I looked at a wiki and I was like, Oh, there's a bonfire right fucking there. Like so many of the times, so many of the times when I am stuck, it is because there is like, Oh, you know, there's a ladder in that room that leads to the place where you're supposed to go. But because it's a Brown ladder against a Brown background, I just didn't fucking see it. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm glad that this game exists for the people who are into it, but I think I might be done because it's just not. Hmm. I, I, I don't think, I don't think that I can afford to spend the lifestyle on it. Right. As opposed to the other things that are, that are competing for that because it's just, I don't know. You know, I, I appreciate it as an element of culture, as a reaction to games, just telling you what to do. And then it's just a matter of like, you know, just keep, keep clicking this thing until you get what you deserve. You know, sure. it's like the, it's like the, the anti, the, the anti-millennial game, but like it's, it's, I don't know. It's just too far. It's just too far for me. Do you think that there are any secrets that it, that is not, have not already yielded to somebody? I doubt it because, well, shit, there might be. I mean, it's hard to say, right? Like, there are so many people and they are expecting Hmm. there to be these hidden things. Like, if there is anything left that's undiscovered, it's probably inadvertently made nearly impossible to discover. But, you know, because there's too many people who are too into it for stuff to... Really remain. I also got this phone game last night, which is a really simple conceit, but it's one that I had never seen before. It kind of reminds me of hundreds, but it is, I think, I don't even, I don't have my phone on me. I'm pretty sure it is called Black, B-L-E-K. Okay. It presents you with a, with a screen and there are some, circles on it that are like your targets or whatever. And there are, there eventually get to be like black circles that you're not supposed to hit, but your move is to trace your finger in a pattern. And then when you let go or when you hit one of those circles, 
it plays itself out repeating that pattern from the point where the pattern ends. Okay. So like you draw a line, you yeah. you swipe from left to right, and then this. what it does is it just like does that swipe over as over, a little over, snake yeah. over yeah. across. And so what you're trying to do is figure out what pattern you need to swipe in such that when that pattern is repeated, repeated. it gets into all the spaces that it needs to get into to without hitting any of the spaces that it's not. This might not even be a new game. I don't. I feel like I've seen this before, but I don't. I I haven't played it. Like I. I do this every great once in a while. I just go into the charts and if there is a if there is a game on the top that I haven't heard of and that looks interesting, I'll just buy it and it's like right. this is actually pretty fun. You know, I mean it's not it's no great shakes. It's but but it's it's yeah. It reminds me of hundreds in the sense of like here is a thing, now we're going to do everything that we thought of that we can do with this one mechanic. Right. And then that's our video game because that's a video game. So that, that's what you've been playing. That is what I've been playing. Speaking of video games. My news was really just that CCP thing. Oh, okay. Did you have a news? Uh, mine wasn't really video game related so much as it was science related. Um, uh, two articles came out this past week that, which I found really interesting. Um, one was um, an article about how the gender of this of the scientist that is performing experiments on mice has an impact on uh, the results of those experiments. In particular, like they were doing studies on on pain in mice, and um, if a male researcher was performing the experiment, the mice exhibited less pain um, than if a female. Um, scientist was doing the experiment and they have come to believe that that mice can just smell males assume that they are predators and thus they have like they're always on edge and so they have like hormones that make pain less of a of a of a sort of stimulant or whatever um which is interesting and it that sort of indicated that that maybe there are all of these like scientific things that we're just not paying attention to that have an impact on on the experiments like science isn't flawed it's just the fact that scientists are not necessarily keeping in mind all of the possible variables that could be going into that and that was sort of doubled down in this other article which was talking about um, cultural variability in experiments like a lot of psychological experiments have been performed primarily on western cultures and of those, like, 70% is in the U.S., and in that group, most of the people that, that, that to partake in these experiments are, like, college students, right? Because most of these are being done as part of the, the yeah, university right. programs or whatever. And so when they started doing experiments, which a lot of, like, psychologists or sociologists had, had come to start to believe that we're just sort of pointing at, like, fundamental aspects of how humans worked – like the what the one that they they first talked about was um, the experiment where you offer someone a hundred dollars on the condition that they then have to give a portion of that to somebody else, and the, the hitch is if that other person um, rejects the money, neither of you gets it, um, and if they accept it, then you both get it. You both get the amounts that that you know you get what the, the remainder of whatever was left, and so in the West, m- people tended to offer fifty percent. If they were, if they offered less than 50%, um, the other person would tend to reject it 
as just being unfair. Um, and they would almost never offer more than 50%. Um, whereas they did the experiments in some, somewhere in South America, I forget the, the country and people would offer just a tiny portion of it. And both people would accept it because in that, in those situations, they were like, something is better than nothing. Why would anyone ever possibly say no to this, regardless of what the amount was? Um, and then on the flip side, they did that same kind of experiment in cultures that have very sort of prescribed notion about gift giving and the, the sort of, um, sort of debts that it incurs in both directions. And so people would offer more than 50% and the person would turn them down because that was just like, you just didn't want to accept a gift from somebody because it meant that you were then sort of indebted to them. Um, so just huge differences in the way that people interacted with this experiment, which they thought was just sort of a human nature thing. And it turns out that no, it's actually way heavily based on the, your cultural background and, and that kind of thing. But then they, like this applies to even things like optical illusions, right? Like stuff that you would think, Oh, this is just part of like the human hardwiring of like how vision works. Like I, the experiment where you have two lines of, of equal length, but one of them has, um, um, two lines sort of coming off of it, uh, in arrows that are like pointing in and one has arrows that are point, like pointing out. Um, and Westerners have a hard time. Like they, they tended to believe that they, they look like they are different lengths, but you can show that to people in other cultures and they sometimes can just very easily identify, Oh, those are obviously the same length. Um, and they think that maybe that's due to the fact that, you know, in the West, we live in rooms that have rectangular walls where corners come together. And so when you look in corners that have sort of lines coming out, that is much, looks much further away than a corner that is um, facing you where it looks like um, the, the lines are coming in. So like... Is that like... This, this is, this, these are actual experiments that have no, been... No, no, I believe, I believe that what I... What I have a hard time with is where are there places where, I mean, huts where they're, they're not like, okay. right. Like where it's just, everything is sort of a rounded corner and there's no rounded, rounded buildings where you don't see corners every day. I mean, I guess like of the percentage of the people who are alive today and go to bed tonight, I think I would have probably concluded that most of them were in rectangular rooms. That may be true. Um, like just statistically or whatever, but that is not like, there are people who, who that for, for whom that has not been true for their whole life. Sure. And those people don't have the, this sort of bias in the optical illusion. And the fact that like, I have always seen optical illusions presented as, isn't this an interesting aspect of human nature, Right just sort of an assumption there and now i'm realizing oh actually some of the ways that we see things could be sort of culturally informed anyway both of these things pointing to the fact that like again like you know science it's not that the science is flawed it's that the experiments weren't keeping all of the variables controlled well i mean arguably because you can't ever keep you all of the variables controlled, then yes. maybe science is fundamentally flawed. Well, it does it does mean that it's super hard to do really accurate science, right? And this well, is but why it, it's, we, you you know that as part of the sort of fundaments of what science is, right? Like all you can do is fail to 
prove things. Sure. Right. That's all you can ever do. And so you can say like, I'm pretty sure that under every circumstance we've tried, I have failed to prove that this fake thing that I made up is real. (laughs) Therefore the opposite. (laughs) Maybe I guess. Yeah. Love scientist. (laughs) So that's love scientist. That's what I've been thinking about a lot. Past past couple days. News. News. This assignment, Tower of Guns. Yeah. I kind of liked it. Yeah, I... I thought that I was going to reject it just on a real base level because it's a first-person shooter and I'm not good at first-person shooters and I don't like first-person shooters, but I think that some of the reasons that this rubbed me the wrong way were because there are some things about this game that are not particularly well put together. The like if I think I might not have, have enjoyed it or played it as long, I guess. If I had not if it had not been spoiled for me that the killing hugbots uh makes the game harder. Yeah. It kind of mentions that in a loading screen tooltip, but I didn't have to read those. They you're were trained so fast that they're dumb jokes and they also go by super, super fast. Yeah. So yeah. I also somebody on our video games hot talk forums uh posted that and that that did make it a lot more oh you went back and played after after you oh yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. no i played I, most of my play and it was after that because oh, okay. um because i learned about it before i learned that before we even did it before we even decided that was going to be the assignment i see okay. it the problem that i had with it was the the variability and difficulty which maybe the variability and difficulty from room to room might yeah. have owed more to my lack of skill with first-person shooters than it did with... So, like, if you weren't very good at Robotron, you might think Binding of Isaac is bullshit because some of the rooms are just 20 times as hard right. as other rooms, which is the experience that a lot of people have. Like, a lot of people, like, they get to a boss or even a particular kind of normal enemy in the Binding of Isaac, and they're just like, I'm never going to be able to beat this. Right. Whereas, you know, if you have a higher level of ability with that just general move set, you can think, oh, no, okay, I un- I understand a little more about the patterns here than I did before. couple more tries and I'll be able to do this. I don't have that level of mastery with shooters. The thing that would happen to me basically all the time is that unless I got killed by a boss, I would be dead because of something that I never even saw. Like I would, Hmm. I would go into a room and then I would, as I was standing there getting my bearings, I would be shot in the back by nine guns at the same time and just instantly die. I, I did not like how things would pop into existence in the room as you came through the door. And sometimes that meant they were just surrounding you and you're, you're like in a bunch of trouble right away. And sometimes you could like wander around and shoot around corners and stuff like that. Like, and it was super, super variable in that way. Um, I wish there was some sort of minimum distance that stuff had to be before. Like when, when you came into a room, cause I, when I had the opportunity to treat it, not like, I guess not a stealth game, but when I could like make measured progress forward, shoot some stuff, jump around a corner, I had way more fun. Yeah. The the game already encourages you to shoot some stuff and then real quick run up to where you shot it because that's where all the power-ups are. Yeah, and they go away on they go a real, real short timer. Yeah. So you have to like you have to shoot stuff and then get there if you want to like level up. I leveled up my that like 
uh, saw blade gun all the way to level five hmm. in one playthrough, and I was it was it's super strong. I got hit too much, so I never got anything above yeah, it's, three. It's pain. I, I liked the the second or the third gun that got unlocked. I think the Egon thing. I ended up using that more that than was not anything the third gun else. I unlocked. Oh, okay. There because they all unlock under different conditions. So I unlocked the one that. I think you got for beating the forge maybe, or I don't remember what it was that I wonder. Yeah. I don't know if that you get a gun for that or if you get the, that might've been a perk. I don't know. It was just a really, really rapid fire energy gun that had a little bit of spread to it, but that was fine. I did not get that gun. The shots from the saw blade gun were too slow for me to like, I ended up wasting a lot of time because bounced off of stuff that you could shoot around corners. Yeah. But like that was super powerful for me. I mean, I guess for somebody with a better set of spatial skills that that would ever work, hmm. then that would be, that would be one thing. My, my issue with it was like, and I guess this is kind of the same that the projectiles move too slowly. And so during those times when it's like, all right, there's like 40 cannons on the other side of this pillar. Right. So I need to pop out from the pillar, shoot at this one until it's gone. Like, you would have four or five bullets in the air at once with the pizza gun, and you don't know how many of those is it actually going to take to kill this thing. So, like, yeah, you know, I just ended up wasting a lot of time shooting into the space where an enemy was. I mean, I think that I you're meant to, like, button. I think that people who are good at shooters, you never, ever, ever, ever stand still, right? Because sure. standing still, you're going to be a target to another player. Yeah, I got, I got... I basically always had the triple jump perk um, and was always trying to like, because the, the shots were almost always just aimed at you. So if you, you strafe to one side while you're shooting and then you yeah. stay there for a second and then you strafe back to the other side, but you jump up in the air so that you're going to miss anything that that's on its way toward you. And so then you have like a, a tier of shots that were fired up and then you like go back, you know, and you just sort of do that, repeat that process while you're, as long as nothing is spawning around to the sides or behind you or whatever, which was super frustrating when that did happen. Um, the power-ups were pretty neat. Like, there were a bunch of cool, like, there are just a bunch of secret areas in this game, which was really satisfying to find those. Like, some, there's, like, you know, the a bunch of walls just aren't really there, and you can walk through them, Ugh, and there's secret stuff the behind worst. there. That's that, the worst. They were often signposted, but, like, I, the first... The game that I got the farthest, the first section, I was like, oh, I got 60% of the secrets. That's great. I did I did really well or whatever. And then the next, the forge, when I finally beat the forge, it was like, you got 12% of the secrets. And I was like, I was pretty thoroughly, I thought, exploring that. So, okay. I have no idea. Um, I missed a ton of stuff, apparently. There were a bunch of places that I didn't know how to get to. Um, and then I got the transdimensional highway item which was pretty cool. It's like, you, it just teleports you where your gun is pointing as far as, as far mm. in that direction as possible. So that allowed me to all of a sudden get a bunch of stuff that I couldn't have gotten before. That's cool. And so if I had had that on earlier levels, I would have been able to get to some extra secret stuff. But I don't know if this really advances our discussion of procedurally generated 3d spaces or not, because it doesn't really count. These are just right. Rooms. Everything has, these, like, are, these are pre-generated rooms that are just uh, connected yeah, and everything more. has one indoor and one outdoor and yeah, they're, they're just connected prefab spaces, which I mean, everything is yeah. on some level. This but is just too granular to, yeah, to be it's too coarse. coarse sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's too coarse to be 
interesting in, in the, in that realm. Um, although it's possible that within a single room, there might be different loadouts for how the, the guns show up. Oh the, yeah. The, the power ups and stuff. The other thing that I kind of didn't like was every game started with you having to just walk around the periphery of this to room. Collect the coins. No threats in it to collect these coins. And it's like, just don't do that. Well, you don't do that if you're trying to go for a speed record, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, and this, if you have to beat a speed record in order to unlock one of the perks or guns or something. That was the one. That was how I oh. unlocked that gun, was by beating the foyer oh. in less than, in under par. Wow, that's that's really fast. You just r- don't kill any of the fucking enemies. I guess. Sure. Like, yeah. I mean, you can almost always see where the door is. There's not really a huge event. Like, you kill the enemies to level up your gun or whatever, which I guess is important. Yeah, that was how, that was how I survived, basically, was by having a strong gun and not taking a bunch of damage. Yeah, you get hit and your gun yeah. goes away again, which, I mean, that's a, that's a like, 80s and 90s arcade conceit that I also wouldn't mind Getting rid of. seeing gone. Gone home. <laughs> oh, we didn't even figure out what our next assignment was going to be. That is true. Uh, gone home. No. Shit. What are we going to do? Gone fishing. Yeah. Hey, what if next assignment is Detective Grimoire? Detective Detective Grimoire. Grimoire. Uh, How did I manage to fuck up that word such that it just didn't have a G in it? Uh, because you were thinking Detective Armoire. Okay. Or Detective Rimjob. Um, I'm I'm interested in this. Uh, if it runs on my phone, then I'll be happy to play it. Otherwise, I will just have to buy a new phone. What is it? It's like a it's like a it's like a visual novel with some Professor Laytony crap in it. Sure. Yeah. All right. So this is Riff's suggestion from beyond the grave. So if it's bad, we're sending him back to his grave. Okay. Return to your graves, like the guy says at the beginning of Altered Beast. Right. He doesn't really say that. Kevin, if somebody wanted to send us a question for our ever-skipped listener mail segment. Yes. How would they do that? Uh, do you actually want them to the questions to arrive, or do you want me to just have them directed off into the ether? Because I can give them just nonsense directions if you prefer. Because if we don't ever answer them, it doesn't matter. Give me some of each. Okay. Well, they could tweet us at videogameshotdog dot 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 dot. That's not really a thing. At VG Hot Dog. You could email us at videogameshotdog.com. That's not even the email address. I don't even know where that would go. Uh, videogameshotdog at gmail.com. Nope. VGHotDog at gmail.com. There you go. See? This is good. Uh, you could go to our web form, which is located... Uh, you could check out our hotdognet.com um, Uber page uh, where you could call a cab. It's getting to be a lonelier family now that Video Games Hot Dog is the only... No, Horror Show Hot Dog. Horror Show Hot Dog still updates. Still updates. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sad that Advice Hot Dog is taking its own advice and stopped <laughs> stopped podcasting. Kill yourself. That was all. That was the only advice we ever gave. <laughs> Um, but you can go to our website. Video advice games. hot dog took the advice of stop podcasting yourself and stopped. Um, yeah. Video games, Jordan, Jesse, go fuck yourself. <laughs>
All right, this game seems to load. Done. This is this is its soundtrack. Good. It's crickets. Game cool. with crickets. Go uh, give us a give us a rating on iTunes. Yeah, that would be great. Actually, like apparently we have somehow. Yeah, we're flutter we're fluttering around on the charts. Yeah, we're fluttering on the charts. That, so that would be that would help us out a lot in getting more listeners, which would just cost us yeah, more which, money. Which is sure cool. it would cost us more money, but then it would get us more ratings, which would get us on the charts more, which would get us more listeners, which would cost us even more money. Oh, good. Okay, and that's what we're looking for. Sure, <clears throat> gentlemen, yeah. gentleman. I've had a I've had a great time recording this episode of Video Games Hot Dog with you, even though it's the loneliest hot dog. It is. One is the loneliest hot dog. Let's go camping, and then later we'll do another episode. Okay, that sounds like a great plan. Good night, everyone. Have a great week, everybody. Do you think it's possible that your mom is a criminal?